0: Welcome to the NBS News with your hosts, Josh Simpson and Ian Savage. Hey everyone, welcome to the Necessary Bullshit Podcast, a.k.a. the NBS News segment. Uh, I am Josh Simpson, I am the thespian in the group here, and uh, Ian, who are you? Uh, well, I'm Ian,
1: as you as you, you should all know. Well, yeah, I'm Ian Savage. I'm the philosopher in the room, otherwise known as the person who makes everybody miserable. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I believe only me and your wife
0: hold that view. Uh, but... <laughs> Oh, no, I, I, I'm full. I'm fully uh, own that because I know that's what I do on a day to day basis. That's really funny. I know all the all the different things you've gone into. So our season bullshitters welcome. Anybody that's new. Uh, thanks for joining in. Uh, Ian made up a good point that we have not done a very good job about introducing who we are uh, for those new listeners. So we want to make sure that we start doing that. And uh, so here we go. So, Ian, I know that you have a lot of things in the docket, and I know that it's getting late um, on our side over here because it's been a long day for both of us and, and we're both trying to to figure out how to make this whole quarantine remote um uh recording work I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely
1: uh, yeah, it's definitely a bit of a challenge. I mean, as, as people will know that we've, you know, we used to record uh in the same studio together, but now uh with the with the quarantine and the pandemic, we're having to figure out um a bunch of other technical stuff that I'm just not uh privy and savvy to. So, um yeah, I guess, you know, to start off here, uh you know, there's there's a pandemic. Uh, Oh, is there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. in case case you've been living under a rock or in Florida, then there is this uh, coronavirus, COVID nineteen. By the way, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Floridians. I'm sorry uh, if you live there. Um, it's hot there. I I know. Um, but you know there is so there is this new. You know, as as our listeners should know that we we both live in Oregon. And it's great here. Just don't move. Just don't move here, please. Um, and right now the the governor of Oregon has put out a new mask requirement for all of the state. So that includes uh, public spaces that are indoors and within businesses. And you know, Josh and I, we 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 talk quite a bit off mic when we're planning these episodes because we don't just go in blind. Uh, <laughs> surprisingly, and. You know, yeah, usually that's true. (laughs) It it does depend, but you know, usually we try and plan things out and, but, but speaking about this subject specifically, I couldn't get Josh to stop talking about it. So I told him, well, we we're just going to have to get on the podcast and record about this because I know you have a lot of thoughts. So Josh, why don't you go ahead and give me your thoughts on this, on this new mask requirement and, and the people that are feeling a little bit, uh, unfriendly towards it.
0: (laughs) So I I guess I'm a little personal here. So just to give everybody some background, as most people may have known, because I talk about it quite a bit, my current profession is in the uh, hospitality, more specifically uh, customer service in a restaurant environment. And as we know, restaurants are are kind of, uh, for those of us in certain areas of the the country that have been allowed to access a quote unquote phase two, uh, which means that we have kind of limited access to customers and there's distancing stuff. And, you know, I have been told to fuck off three times so far since we've been open and the level of entitlement is astronomically massive that i just felt that i wanted to kind of address what's going on here not only on my social media accounts because i feel that it's pointless for me to yeah I, i don't know it's it's just more of i think the podcast is a better medium to to express my ideas for those that are choosing to listen that might be able to spread or help so I know that Ian said I haven't been able to shut up and this might be a little bit ranty, but uh, buckle in because here we go. That's right. Cause I do it all the time. So that's true. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends. We both kind of have our, our, our tiff or tats there on, on our rantiness. But the thing is, is like, I am so sympathetic that it's frustrating to wear a mask. I I get it. It's frustrating. You don't want to do it. It's, it's uncomfortable in the face. I had a mask on for about nine hours today and yeah, I got a little redness on, uh, above my ears you know, I'm not saying that it's perfect, but here's here's the bottom line for those of you that are out there spouting bullshit and not even the necessary kind, the complete unnecessary <laughs> kind and claiming that you're educating the quote unquote panicked and claiming that you know more about science than people that have studied science for the years or you know more about medical practices than people that actually study medical practices. Your inconvenience does not make you a fucking expert. Let's going to get that out of the way first things first, Go ahead, I've seen posts, shoot
1: them dead. Shoot him dead. <laughs> I know
0: I've seen, I've seen posts of people going, Oh, well, I can smell a fart through a mask. So it's not going to help me with this virus. Now I get it. Like I might be interpreting that and just a joke that people are making. But when you look at the comment fields, what you see is this is brilliant. You see, you're so right. You see, can I use this? And its unfucking un-fucking-believable. So again, just some basic science here, and I'm not trying to you know just trying to be harsh to those that already know this. I might be preaching to the choir, but for those of you that want some ammunition to feed uh, to these people that are that are pushing that, here we go. first of all, the particles that travel into our nose that create smell they move at such more of a rapid speed than a virus because a virus needs... Are you talking about like fart particles? Not fart, just smelling particles. The particles particles that enter our nose that cause us to smell. Sure. Okay. They're light. They don't take a lot to travel. Okay. It's not a lot of force that has to push that particle to our nose in order to smell that. A virus, however, takes a lot of force, which is why you have like water droplets through coughing or sneezing. And what is a cough or a sneeze? It is a force that projectiles a a molecule forward in either in a water droplet or through our saliva and the virus is piggybacking off of that. And so what a mask does is it can help stop the force that is needed to push that virus forward. Now of course there's like loose masks and people are like oh well you can wear anything. Well first of all that's because like medical masks are in shortage and any mask at all is better than no mask and the reason being is because there is a distance right so the velocity or the force that it takes to move a virus particle Like the six feet rule, right, is because if you have a mask on and you sneeze or you cough, not only is the mask slowing down the velocity of that virus particle, but if we're distancing six feet, what it takes to reach that other person is also less. So there is actually some science behind this. And secondly, medicine has always been a practice. And we need more data in order to interpret. So I told Ian off mic. I'm like, cholesterol. They said all cholesterol is bad. Nope. We found out there's good cholesterol. Never mind. Not all cholesterol is bad. Oh, we said fats were bad. All fat. Oh, actually, you know, avocados. You know what? There's actually good fats. We lied. Medicine and health has always been a practice. There's always been contradictions. And to claim that, like, oh, one time the who like the World Health Organization said don't wear a mask. That you're quoting that now. When we have more data and we've learned that if it transfers through water droplets that way, things are going to change, people. It's just fucking how medicine works. All right. Well, okay. So first of all, nobody should be
1: eating avocados. Uh, let's just <laughs> let's just say that. Like nobody. That's like that's just just a gar- a garbage food.
0: Um, okay. uh, so, so, so no, 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 no. You can't just. <laughs> so, Ian, now, now I truly understand why you make everything worse. Yeah, right, yeah. I told you, I told you. So um, the,
1: the second thing here is, uh, you know, you brought up the six feet rule and uh, frankly, I, I actually find this a little bit ridiculous because, you know, the reason why the whole six feet rule was ever brought into the sort of collective consciousness, as it were, is that, you know, we've, we've used that before with the uh, SARS cases in China in back in the, back in the early aughts, right? Like 04 uh, and 03, I think a little bit earlier than that. And the thing with the six feet rule is that at that time it was like, okay, this is a good distance to keep away from people and social distancing to make sure you don't spread this virus well with the coronavirus i mean early on i mean this was back in 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 march and april that a lot of a um A lot of studies or at least uh, 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 simulations show that it's really up to about 24 feet is really the the rule of thumb that should be taken into account here. And the six feet rule is largely not doing that much, especially in closed encounters. Open open spaces is a a little bit different, obviously, because there's so much more, uh, especially if you're outside, there's so much more air circulation. But I actually want to talk about uh, the, the data here. And I think that you know, this This is interesting, like, w- with the masks wearing and how much it it helps prevent the spread of this. First of all, I, I find it really sad, right? I, I've been seeing all over the internet, especially social media and YouTube, where, like, they're trying to break down how well masks work, right? Yeah, they fucking work. And the people who think that they don't are, I, I really don't know where their head spaces are at, if they think
0: their masks don't work or are ineffective. The second thing here is that well, I want to actually. I want. I don't want to interrupt you on your second thing, but I wanted like just make a caveat with your mask thing. Sure, it's not that it's going to help people necessarily from getting it. It's going to help the spread of it, and that's what people are confused sure. about. Yeah, yeah. People are confused. So, just to clarify, it's to reduce spread, not necessarily contagion. And and I know that that sounds counterintuitive, oh. but they're actually that. That's the whole point. Anyway, Dude, for sure a second. Yeah.
1: Yeah no and, and, and that, I mean I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot, a lot of people don't understand the difference between spread and and uh, contagion right so but the, the the second thing that I that I want to talk about here is that actually I think the our health institutions have have largely failed us so you know the early on the world health organization Which we've talked about on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. About personally, I think they've have have failed this, You know, in the beginning, they recommended that, like, oh no, you know, it's only people who are sick that really need the mask. When in reality. Doctors and nurses for were saying from the beginning during this pandemic, it's like, no, you should all be wearing masks. And yet the World Health Organization and the, uh, the Trump administration have said that, like, oh, no, you don't need a mask. You don't need a mask. And so it gives this false sense of security. Right. And now with these requirements coming into place, uh, you know, I, I told you this off mic, but my brother brought up this idea that saying that we're having mandatory masks requirements. Uh, you know, uh, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days into the pandemic is like asking people to wear a condom after the baby shower. Frankly, I think that not that it's bad to have masks now, but that we probably could have saved a lot more people from getting sick if we just would have had this
0: right from the get-go and i know a lot of it has to do okay. with the administration. no no because that's not even a fair fucking comparison like you said that was going to be a good quote. i don't think yeah, it, it is. is i don't think it is it's not even a fair comparison because there are like no no because look that okay i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking attack that here for a second like i know <laughs> no because listen you, you, it's a it's a false equivalency because if somebody is pregnant that is an example of one like sperm that is affecting like, look, there are still people that don't have that. It's it would be the equivalent. I'm not saying that like, oh yeah, Cindy's not pregnant, so she better put on a condom because I'm about to fuck her too. Like that—that's the idea of the spread of a virus, dude. It's like the idea of wearing the, having them having wear masks now. Is that like, we want to try to still reduce the spread, even though it's increasing. And so like, if somebody already has it and we're telling them to put on a mask, that's to help not spread it. So what he is missing, the point is, is that would be saying what we're trying to say is no, you're at your baby shower and you're looking to fuck Cindy over there. Like you have a relationship with Cindy and Cindy's not pregnant. So we're telling you put on a goddamn condom because you already have one baby on the way. Josh, I think I think you're missing the point of this metaphor. And I
1: think what what's going on here is that we we first of all, I mean, like the the, no, outrage, the right? I've used,
0: I have seen that quote used to justify not wearing a mask is what I'm trying to okay. tell you.
1: And OK, OK. And you see, I see that and I think that's wrong. Okay. I think that's, that's obviously not the right thing to take away from that sort of metaphor, because I think is what we're doing here is that the fact that our administration and our health institutions and and largely the public haven't taken this pandemic seriously right then we've been giving this false sense of security especially with the lockdowns going on right where now we're starting to enter in these phases where more and more businesses and locations are starting to open up and yet these these uh cases are starting to increase right and now it's going to be really hard to ask people like hey can you now readjust to this other thing after we've given you back all this freedom. Right. And I think that the massing not being a requirement from the get go gives people this sense of false security. Like, Oh no, we'll be fine. Like we're not, you know, there's no reason to
0: worry about no, this. That, of- that's the struggle. This is the problem of an uneducated democracy. Okay. We're, we're seeing this right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm telling you is this, the reason we opened up everything is because people were literally protesting in the streets with weapons saying i want a haircut like they freak <laughs> the, they freak the fuck out scissors yeah so the thing is is like the governors themselves there's no leadership there's been no guidelines from the trump presidency he said nope governor's got to figure it out it's the governor's job so all these governors are trying to do what they can. That th- they're trying to do they're they're just human like most people forget. It's just like, how, could you imagine like everybody shits on Kate Brown? I don't you know, know. Some of them governors. might be reptilian. Some of but them no, might the be thing reptilian. that drags me up is like, I, I, I glad that I'm not her because these are difficult decisions to make. You know what I mean? And like, we, how do you, how do you navigate a state through a pandemic when half of the state is freaking the fuck out? And here's the problem with, you know, this whole conservative mind frame. And I said this, my problem with conservatives is the moment that it becomes inconvenient to them. They throw their values out the wayside because before sure. look at costco people freaked the fuck out that costco required masks guess what that's a private fucking business that private yeah, business yeah yeah made the choice that private business made the choice to have you wear a mask before it was mandated and look at the fucking freak out the same I know. the same that's people right. that value that lit that, that that fucking liberal choice the same people that were like i'm so glad that like we have the freedom to make our own choices the privatization, less government. And when Costco makes a decision, you freak out because it's not the choice that you wanted them to make. Like it's, it's just hypocrisy bullshit, Ian. I know. I mean, and you're completely right about that because I, frankly, I think it's really
1: frustrating. Like I personally, you know, when I go into a business, you know, I think I was telling you a bit of this off mic the other day where we went in, uh, my, my son and I, we went into Barnes Noble, right. To go get some books. And that day when we went there, they Ask us like, hey, you know, today we're starting where we're going to require masks um, for anybody coming in who's over the age of 12. And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. I've got a mask. You're a private business. You're an employee. Like you get to decide on who comes in and and wears masks because you're trying to protect your own employees. You're trying to protect your customers like that is part of what whatever this fucking liberalism is that so many people are are trying to defend. Right. When when they're wanting to not wear masks. And I I think it's really funny. But, you know, there's this other angle here, too, that I wanted to bring up to with you that I, I think I brought up with you a little bit off mic, but I don't think we discuss a little bit and then we can, we can sort of move on to the next uh, news docket, which was so, okay. I I was recently employed at at a new, uh, at a new company. And, and I won't say similar to to Josh, you know, both of us, because of the nature of our jobs and because of the podcast, it's, it's, it's It's better for us to to keep this private. And so this new company that I worked at literally my second day or No, I think it was, yeah, my second day was when this uh, new mask requirement went into place. And we had HR come out and talk to us about, like, okay, well, tomorrow you got everybody's going to be required a mask. We're going to provide them for you, you know, because we want to make sure that everybody is safe. However, what they, what HR and their department stated to us was like, look, we've been trying to, Maintain safety and and try to respect everybody's individual liberties when it comes to the subject. However, our biggest problem is that when we're in inter- when we're out and about and when it's my job is one of the things where we're uh, out interacting with customers on the job where if they see us even for a second without a mask on. Guess what happens? There are cameras everywhere. P- people. We've had reports now where people, as we're as we're seeing them, even for a brief second, they're coming and with their phone out and taking pictures of us and and videos of us and asking us why we don't have our masks on. And they us t- they told us like one of the biggest worries is us getting on social media. Uh, you. Know, they are more worried about getting lambasted online. Than actually contracting uh covid than any employees and i th- I wanted to ask you about this because i'm i'm a little worried that we you know it's it's fine to like talk to people like, hey like you know you should be wearing a mask like it's you know there's obviously a pandemic going on. My wife and I actually just earlier today we had some issue with some people when we were down by the river who were sort of coming into our space, you know who they weren 't doing a very good job of protecting themselves. And eventually we were able to separate from one another. But I think that shaming is probably the wrong direction. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I just, in the age of social media, I'm just really confused. Like, is is shaming the right answer? Like, do we really need to, you know, I know you sort of went on a rant a little bit and I know that's not exactly the same thing as shaming, but, but
0: I I just, I just don't know like where to go from here. I mean, are people really, I don't know, are people going to respond well to this? Shaming, so here's my thing. I think shaming guides us down to a negative rabbit hole. And the reason why is because there's a few things. First of all, th- the very same people that are pissed for being shamed to not wear a mask, shame those who wear one. And it's just, yeah. what bothers me is that we cannot even see. Like, we have lost all sense of understanding of, like, each perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, is that like, I see the same people who go, I saw this post, sorry for the graphic content, but here's the post I saw. You're the, you're only wearing the mask because the government's telling you good thing. They didn't tell you to suck a dick. Hmm. Yeah. So I see posts like that. Yeah. You are attacking people like me who wear a mask because I'm not a fucking idiot. Like, and I, and again, am I shaming for saying that? Maybe, but at the same time, I'm frustrated, Ian, and I'm, and I'm irritated at the fact that, like, it is just a slight inconvenience and you are making it so much more than what it is. And then you are being, you're acting like you're hurt when somebody goes, just put your fucking mask on, you know, because yeah. it's just this thing where it's like, and here's the, here's the, we talked about this earlier when it comes to the dynamic of a parent and a child. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that, we should have a totalitarian state needs to be ran or the government needs to control. But the purpose of a government is to understand that because of the fact that our government has not invested money into education, because we care more about military than we do teaching the youth in order to be smart, in order to handle this, we have a country full of people who take their own experiences and they interpret the world through those experiences. And a lot of these people, have never been in a situation of understanding this, this need of, of compassion to protect others. And as we've shown that if we've tried to just let States do their own thing, or like we tried America right now. And I, I told Ian, I was going to bring this up you know, on the podcast where I saw a tweet that said it beautifully. It said the rest of the world is watching America. Like America watched tiger King because yeah, of the I'm, fact
1: I'm glad that I didn't watch
0: that show <laughs> because of the fact that it's like, we have now surpassed case Cases than any other country. We we are growing. I mean, Florida the other day, had nine thousand confirmed cases. Oregon, okay, we had one hundred and thirty-seven cases in Newport down at the seafood factory. It's like there was another confirmed Corona case even in my head in Springfield down at you know, down in Fifth Avenue in a business I'm not going to say because I feel like I'd be mm-hmm. rude to do so. And Probably. so we're seeing an increase in cases. We're noticing that people are not following this. And by the way, for most people to know, this mask thing—it's not a law; it's a mandate. There's a difference between that. It might be a misdemeanor, but the law enforcement is not. They're putting this on businesses to do this themselves. That's what the mandate is. It's not a law mandate. The businesses I mean, have to mandate this. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And the problem uh, and- is though, is I know. And I know personally of some businesses that have, that are choosing to not mandate it because they're worried about what their customers might think. Mm. And it's that kind of stuff. It's, it's worried about, you know, and and again, I get it. Like the econ, like the economy shutting down is not good for anybody. But because of the fact that you know, maybe now I get what you mean by that quote. Because that we, cause look at look at the or the uh, the Czech Republic. I think Prague is a prime example. Just like a week ago, just like not even that long ago, the Czech Republic or Prague in particular came out for of, out of quarantine for the first time ever
1: mm-hmm. since yeah. this
0: pandemic. They were one of the first countries to mandate the six feet rule, the mask rule. And you know what they did? They bought dinner for 2000 of their, of their citizens for being compliant and, and understanding that like, this is what's going on. And they're just now opening up their economy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what that's why I think it's so important, too, to talk about like, uh, you know, we don't have to get into it very much, but like this, this recent uh, stimulus package that we don't know when it might be coming. Right. Where people there are still many people that are that are out of work. I think our unemployment is now back down to somewhere like 15 or 12 or percent, something like that. And they are going to be people there who are out of work for a while. I mean, like personally, you know, uh, a lot of uh, childcare, right. For, for me and my family uh, isn't open. And so we're trying to figure out how do we go back to work and yet not have childcare. Right. So I know, I the best
0: being is- in the room here, I have to give some shout outs to my theater people because my actor <laughs> friends, no, my actor friends, Broadway shut down until 2021. Right. Okay. Right. Like the entire the entire theater world is, is in shambles right Completely. Now. Yeah. yeah th- that whole industry has been destroyed because of this. And yeah. even in movie theaters and things like that. And so that's why they're fighting for some sort of, you know, and that's why I'm sympathetic because with this unemployment stimulus, like a lot of my friends that have built careers in theater are saying like this pandemic stripped my career. Like, do you think mm-hmm. that I should like, you know, and other people are like, Oh, don't be lazy. Go find work. It's like, I've spent my life building a career in theater. You know, right. now you're telling me that I have to go find something else to do. Like, you know, that's why they want to be supported until they can get that avenue back. So that's why I'm sympathetic in certain work areas, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I think, you know, the onus is on the government, right? If if the governments come together, at, especially in the United States and, and individual states, and they say, like, look, you can't go to work, okay? It's like, all right, well, then you owe me. Uh, you owe me that much money for, for not being able to go to work. But here's the thing. So we, we have a lot of topics
0: uh, to get to today you know, and
1: we're just only on our first one. I know. I, I, and, okay. The
0: last <laughs> thing I'll say, this is the only thing I want to say. If you see anybody's claim that it's compliance or it, it's something that like we, we are being feared into wearing a mask that is your own fear. And that is your own ignorance of just feeling like it's annoying to wear a mask. And you feel like you don't want to have to wear them because you don't want to, that is childish. And the reason why there's a mask mandate in a lot of places is because if you're going to act like a child, what does a parent do when you act like a child, you discipline, we're going to fucking treat you like a child. And that's what I meant by the whole child and parent thing, because guess what kids Like there's certain aspects of the world where you look at your son, like, you know, Ian, I know you have your son and you like, there's things, things that you don't know yet. And, and like you, like, let's say your kid wants to put a light, you know, fork in a light socket. You're going to stop your kid from doing that. You know what I mean? Or, you know, or anything else. Like if there's something that you feel like your kid's going to be endangered, you know what they're going to be like, you know, how, how many times has your, your son exerted his will to power on you for being pissed off for you to tell him that he can't do things he wants to do Oh, numerous, numerous, countless times. So this is what it reminds me of. It reminds me of a child who doesn't know what's going on and is attempting to make a choice. And the parent steps in and goes, you cannot do that. It's not good for you. And they look at you and they go, I hate you telling me that I can't do this. And you go, one day you're going to learn. So like for all these people that are not wearing masks, you remind me of children and the States that are (laughs) doing these mandates, you know? That's why I said I'm not. That's my last piece, right? Well, tell you what. Tell you what. Coming off the heels of of,
1: of Josh's version of signaling, I promise that Josh and I will do another episode on coronavirus. I think that's deserved deserved uh, because there's a lot of the interesting things that Josh is saying here. But uh, but related to coronavirus, so there's a new surge of swine flu coming out of China. Oh, here we go. Uh, so so right. This is really interesting. So there's a swine flu, a new uh, a strain of it that has potential uh, to become a pandemic. This is uh, coming off of LBC News in the UK. So scientists in China are monitoring the disease over fears it could spread between humans and cause another global outbreak as the world continues to tackle the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. And so right now, researchers are worrying that it could mutate further, and though they say it could not currently – uh, you know, have an immediate concern. They believe it has all the hallmarks of being highly adapted to infect people. And so this new strain. So this is technically as, as people might remember from the earlier strain, uh, swine flu. Um, gosh, this is probably what 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. This is known as G4 EA H1N1 and it's carried by pigs, but can cause respiratory illness in humans, similar to those seen with the swine, the earliest swine flu, which is the last strain of, uh, of that, uh, version of the influential, uh, Influenza, rather, and right now there is some uh, research going on in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which Chinese scientists say the virus lives in multi- it lives and multiplies in cells that line the human airway. So I, I really thought this was interesting because, I, I mean, could we could we really deal with another blow? <laughs> you know, to to well, human society. There, right there's now? two
0: questions I have. The, there's two things that, and we'll talk about this later. The first thing is like, well, they were really, really, really not wanting to share information about the coronavirus when it first came out. So, like, that's 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 it's. uh Am I being too cynical to say like, why now are they so open to share another virus that might? Right. Yeah. Right. That's one thing. The second thing is like, I re- you know the whole idea about superbugs and the fact that like capitalistic healthcare you know we're not going to get into this now but this is what i think we should eventually talk about is that if 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 the money to research these things are not profitable you know then we're not going to do them and if medicine is is done for profit then these antibiotics or these ways that we've done if we're not researching ways to to help the immune system fight these new viruses because the viruses are currently like uh, you know evolution the viruses are mutating and growing and our mm-hmm. science to fight that is not growing at the rate that these viruses are. Right. And that should be something that's interesting to talk about and with this you will know, with this new thing and how that's even affecting now with the coronavirus, because we're like, we've had viruses before, flu, this, that. But for the first time ever, these things are mutating quicker than we're than we're actually investing time into studying them, as is, is is what I think is
1: happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we're coming to this precipice of events or phenomena in the natural world that we're able to deal with right there's only so much bandwidth mm-hmm. that we can give our attention to and you know like with coronavirus right i mean like does does anybody know that there's uh there's a presidential election coming up in a few months you know that to me it seems like oh yeah like there's some real world shit going on and yet we have all this other shit going on in the background they just like oh Fuck, yeah, that's important or not important, you know, like the election, Mm -hmm. for example. Frankly, I don't think is that important. I think we'll get to that a little bit later, you know, when it comes to dealing with the coronavirus. But, you know, to me, it's just like these ongoing distractions. And I just, yeah, I I really don't know. I I feel a bit pessimistic in our our ability to to deal with these things. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just so many other things going on there's so many people in the world there's so many other troubling issues climate change When's the last time you heard Gre- greta
0: thunberg on the internet you know like talking about right. how bad climate, climate right. change is so i just you know the collective yeah. consciousness too the collective consciousness is interesting to bring up but i think at the end of the day here like what this is really just kind of bringing bringing to the fourfold is that we are you know we're unequipped to handle these things because with most medical or science stuff we need data And data takes testing and time to commit. So like my biggest thing with the coronavirus and anything else is if we would have not, if we would have made testing the top priority early on, that would have meant more data for scientists to be able to figure this thing out a little bit sooner. And we didn't do that. And here we are. So let's move on. Yeah, so uh, you know, I want to
1: talk about Trump a little bit, unfortunately. So right now I have Time magazine. Uh, I know, I know. I feel like there's probably every episode we we talk about Trump and 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 that's but sad. how can you not in this day and age? Because I mean he's I just
0: oh god, he's just making waves. But this, this, this is yeah. this is fascinating. This is fascinating and so go ahead, make a piece. Yeah,
1: so so Iran uh earlier this week issued an arrest warrant uh for the president of the United States. I found this absolutely <laughs> (laughs) and hilarious. So Iran has issued an arrest warrant and asked Interpol for help in detaining President Donald Trump and dozens of others they believe who would carry out the U.S. drone strike that killed the top Iranian general, uh, Qasem Soleimani in Baghdad. So Interpol later said that they would uh, consider Iran's request, but That doesn't mean Trump faces any danger of arrest. So charges that underscore the heightened tensions between Iran and the United States, since Trump unilaterally withdrew America from Tehran's nuclear deal without the world powers, that means that – there, they're, I mean, like everything is up in the air right now, and so after receiving this request from Iran, Interpol, you know, they try to meet by committee and they discuss whether or not to share the information with the member states. But they have no requirement for making any of these notices public. And though they do get, you know, some of these things published on the on their website, they did later issue a statement saying that the guidelines for notices forbids it from any intervention or activities of a political nature. And I think this is really interesting because, you know. I felt like, I mean, that was in January, right? When the Soleimani guy was was killed. <laughs> right. And it's almost like, oh yeah, that fucking happened. Wait, we, Like we almost, we almost went to war with Iran. It felt like, and after all the coronavirus and, and, and the uh, impeachment investigation, that sort of blocked out all, all that, everything no, that was you're, going No, you're
0: totally right. And I think too, what, what this story tells us is that there is the, this is why it's kind of a bummer, you know, and, and I mean that in the, <laughs> in the nicest way, because what coronavirus did is it really kind of like just to, to, to take a breath from that for a moment. This is just another stakes increase for the shitstorm that may happen to Donald Trump if he loses this election.
1: Yeah, yeah. That'd be really interesting because, because there's so
0: many things like because people think that Mueller what's happened in the Mueller report and the fact that Mueller just said because he's president, he's not prosecuted. Mm -hmm. So there's things that he could be prosecuted on in that direction. If he's not president, there's certain things that he's done that, that people have claimed that he could be come after for when he's not president. And now you have Iran who has an arrest warrant. And because he's the president of the United States, of course that may not go anywhere, but if he's no longer president, you know, maybe Interpol might think differently. I just think if anything, it just increases the stakes that he has he feels like he's got no other choice, which is why he's continuing to try to do these rallies. And he, I feel like he is scared and I don't, and I feel like a, like a cynical man to say this, but like, it gives me a slight joy to learn that he is fearful of what happens if he does not win another four years, because look at the fucking country now.
1: Right. You know, and speaking, speaking of the, of the, of the 2020 elections, this is, I I really wanted to talk about this because I I when I, when I heard this the other morning I just laughed in joy. So as of uh, a few days ago, I think it was Saturday. Actually, that was yesterday. Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> the, the rapper and hip hop artist Kanye West announces his U.S. presidential bid on Twitter. This is coming from Reuters. So he's – Kanye West, he was a vocal supporter of U.S. Donald, president Donald Trump. And he announced on Saturday he would run for president in 2020. I'm sorry I'm laughing at this whole thing. I challenged Trump and his presumptive Democratic rival former Vice President Joe Biden. So in the tweet, he says, we must now realize the promise of America by trusting God <laughs> – Unifying our vision and building our future. I'm running for president of the United States, and it's just—he added an American flag emoji in the hashtag #2020vision. So i'm sorry I, like this is just this is hilarious to
0: me but was so, right. that real though like was that even real okay yes. okay i'm, I'm, I'm no, no how do i say this i'm not doubting the tweet wasn't real but was the the intent i, I the think tweet. he's serious. okay i think he's serious. I guess serious is a better way to say that yeah,
1: yeah, yeah right now you know the deadline to add independent candidates to the ballots in many states has not yet passed so he still has a chance and elon musk even came out on twitter and saying that he had his full support and i just like I love this. I absolutely love this. I think that you know many people I think you know are wanting to go back to normalcy, right? They I, they probably want Biden, you know, which I don't I mean I don't think Biden's going to be any better for president than Donald Trump, but I do think that Trump's presidency opened the floodgates for this kind of election, right? Where somebody like Kanye West, who I think is interesting. I think he's uh, you know, uh uh entrepreneurial savvy you know i think he definitely understands a few things going on i know he has some mental underlying mental health issues but i mean this this is fascinating to me that somebody like kanye west like i mean like who's he gonna run like who's gonna have his vp you know like oprah or or oj simpson like i don't know like this is like this is so fascinating to me and I really hope it's serious because if he if he's on the ballot, I'm so voting for him because oh my god, yeah, I, it'll just be the biggest protest vote. Uh, yeah, and so I don't well, know. I, I don't know. I worry here. about
0: that too. I don't know. I worry about that because if people take that seriously, like I don't know if they will, but if people take that seriously, it just it just eats votes. And I think maybe it might be a ploy because he has. It doesn't make sense. He has supported Donald Trump, and he has been a fan of him. So if he's going to run for president legitimately, it doesn't make sense. There's no, what, what's his motivation or reasoning for going against Trump if he's a supporter? Sure. Yeah. And if anything, it might be to pull voters, you know, and who knows, maybe it, be, it might be against Donald Trump if people think it's funny to vote for him. But there might be people like you, you know, you, like if you, I know you're joking, maybe, but if you say, like, if he's <laughs> actually on the ballot, I'm going to vote for him, you know, that just pulls votes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is, this is an interesting thing. But I, I really think that. I uh, think I want to talk about, I th- really think you should talk about, you know, what's going on with Dredge Roberts.
1: Oh yeah. You know, yeah, this is this is interesting. I, I was I, I wasn't actually planning on talking about that tonight, but I suppose we can. I so I suppose we can bring it up. Well, you no, because so- I, I we we
0: I know. Like, I'll be honest with the listeners here. We're gonna make up because look, you guys have been with us for this whole time, so you know we're gonna be honest with you. So Washington DC wants to become a state. Ian want to talk about that. I think that's interesting, but that's not. I would rather talk about either the Roberts thing or if you want to go into the voice acting thing for this last little bit of time.
1: Yeah. Tell you, tell you what, I think um, we can save the judge Roberts. Tell you what, since, since you brought up, I'll just mention it. So right now uh, the Supreme court, uh, their latest decision on the 30th of June, they had a five to four decision where they forced a majority of states to fund private religious schools, in a ruling that compels millions of U.S. taxpayers to subsidize Christian education, and that that's even if financing another religion violates their own beliefs. And so, I, I I want to talk about this, but we might have to save this for a later date. We will, you
0: know, maybe we might make this a you know a, a, a more main episode about the idea of church and state and what's going on yeah. between that. And so, I think we could have a lot of talk about that. So, I'm just fascinating. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's I know. It's really is
0: fascinated.
1: And because I there's there's so much going on there mm-hmm. that I, I want to give due time to it. And and on these MBS news segments for our listeners, uh, anybody who is new to, to the show knows that we try to keep these a little bit uh these episodes condensed. Yeah, so digestible. Seminars, digestible yeah, for so, sure. so yeah, so the what Josh just mentioned a little uh, just a moment ago is that there are a lot of voice actors who are backtracking or stepping down from specific roles who are largely considered people of color. And I I think that this would be a really valuable conversation to have, especially with you, Josh, because you, you know, you you have you're an actor classically trained, and I think that as a voice actor, so let me just say here. So a few of the a few of the actors who have been stepping down are include uh, Allison Brie, who voiced Diane Nguyen, who is a Vietnamese American woman on BoJack Horseman. Then there was Mike Henry, who voices Cleveland Brown on Family Guy and the Cleveland Show, who also voices Consuela, by the way, who is like. Uh, Some uh, we're reoccurring uh, Hispanic woman character Mm -hmm. who he has said that he's not backing down from He's only backing down from Cleveland. And then there's also Jenny Slate and Kirsten Bell who voice characters on Big Mouth who are, uh, or who are supposedly people of color. And I, I, I really think this is interesting because, you know, this reminds me of about a year ago when there was a movie that was supposed to star, uh, Scarlett Johansson, who she stepped down uh, from the role because she was going to be playing a transgender uh, character in the movie. And people uh, had quite a bit of backlash to that because she's not transgender herself and who said that, like, no, you need a transgender person to play this role. And yet people like Jared Leto got quite a lot of praise for playing a trans- transgender person in Dallas Buyers Club. And so I wanted to bring up this last thing here on, on the episode tonight because – I think you have an, a unique perspective here as far as these conversations go in, in the role of actors. You know, I, I guess I'm just – just, I'll give you my perspective here and then I'll let you talk. You know, an actor to me is somebody who, who steps into the role of a character, tries to embody that person in their personality, and tries to convince the audience that they're that person for a short period of time. So they can sort of sell this, this story or, or, or or an idea. And when you say that only certain people are allowed to play certain roles. Now I understand that, you know, early on in, in, in theater, especially in, in, in ancient Greece. And then even up until the 16th and 17th century, you know, like there was no women allowed to play actors, right? It was only men playing even women roles. And obviously, I mean, that, doesn't really make any sense that doesn't hold any water anymore but
0: i'm wondering like just, well this is actually this like a, to hold water this is a good point so ooh, this is a tough question because there's both sides of this that i'm, I'm very sympathetic to so you're not wrong in the sense of, like so for example in shakespeare's time mostly women were not allowed to to play these female characters so men these mm-hmm. more particularly young boys Or even like just more of, of, of younger men or, or, you know, they didn't have hair on their faces. You know, they were, they were playing women characters, which is why there's, there's stipulations, which is why there's a lot of cross dressing in Shakespeare plays. There's a lot of women dressing up as men. And a lot of that too had to do with like, you know, the fact that the actor was male. So like he could, you know, kind of pseudo play himself, but also he's playing a role. And the thing is, is like Shakespeare wrote a lot of like strong women characters and, and there, so this is why Shakespeare's a really good point that I'm sympathetic to this side of like, what most people don't understand is yes, acting is about, about being somebody different, you know, and it's, it's about, uh, about taking something that you haven't experienced and try to find a way to make it real. I've always said that acting makes you better of a human being because you have to learn the whys, the obstacles, the goals, but at the same time, It's easy to, to forget that the main point of this is storytelling and it's Mm -hmm. acting within storytelling. And there are certain things that I believe that like we can try to get as close as we can to be sympathetic. So I, I'm on the firm belief from an acting perspective that all of our experiences boil down to similar emotions, you know? So this idea that I cannot relate to anybody because I haven't experienced that I go, you know what? I don't, I I disagree with that, but not from a negative perspective. So the first thing you have to deal with is the fact that these fucking racist people or like these people that have a different agenda use this argument for their own purpose, which is skewed the actual meaning of it is the fact that emotions are human. Like it doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter like what experience you've had. They all boil down to these pivotal human emotions that we all feel. And an actor has to find the the the. you have to boil down what the, that emotion is. And then you create the context by what the play or what the script tells you to create in order to manifest that that believability of emotion. And there's certain characters where that makes sense because it's the experience of that person through via what they've had to gone through. Like, for example, in college, I did a play called Vikings where I had to play. I was 23. at the time, I had to play a 47-year-old man who was left by his wife who can't connect with his son and has a weird bond with his grandfather. And he has a drinking problem. I didn't have a drinking problem. I wasn't in my 40s. I didn't have a son, nor did I understand my wife leaving me. But you know what I did? I thought about my dad and what he went through with his alcohol problems. I thought about, like, the conversations he had with me and the tears in his eyes. I thought about the emotions that seemed the most connected to me and how I can link to that. And that is how I portrayed that character. So there's a part of me that believes that all of us in a certain way, shape or form, once we pull the experience out of it and just look at the emotions, we all feel the same emotions. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. I mean, so, I mean, so it, oh sorry sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So no, the second part, the second part is that, however, though, with storytelling and, 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 Giving a chance for each actor and what each category to experience that, like that connection to whatever your heritage, but the heritage is, but maybe something you never experienced. So I do believe that like, if you're going to have, you know, for example, like an African-American character or a black character, you know, to have somebody who isn't African-American or black to play that character Like most people's like, well, that's what acting is. Actually it's not because the storytelling might be like within that particular subculture. Maybe if I'm an African-American actor and I go, you know what? Like I know what the root emotions are for what these people have gone through, but that's not my exact experience, but -hmm. because it's part of my culture and it's part of what I've learned and I get to tap into that and express that. I believe that's only going to help the storytelling and we should give opportunities for more you know, for more people to play these roles, and so do I for agree sure. so that's why like it's a tit for tat, it's a give and a take where, yes, in a perfect world, if we weren't so divided and there wasn't so much fucking hatred in the world, we have had centuries of hatred to 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 identify with these cultures, and if we did not have that. Then yes, I believe anybody should be able to theoretically play anybody because it it gives us a moment to put ourselves in those shoes of that person, and we might come out being more sympathetic to what they are and feel. You know, there's moments where when I cross dress for the first time, um, I'm getting a little weird here. But I went to a Rocky Horror. I went to a Rocky (laughs) Horror. It wouldn't be the first time. I went to a Rocky Horror picture show, and I had to wear heels and a skirt, walking in heels was the most extenuating thing and having a skirt and then like getting spanked. First of all, nobody should wear heels. I remember having like this man just put a sucker down my shirt for the brief moment. Like I literally walked and what it was like to, to dress as what we culturally say is feminine. And it was so difficult that I had so much sympathy for what they have done or getting put in a weird position of like these, these ladies had asked me, they're like, you want to come out and drink with us? And I was like, no. And they were like, I cannot believe you'd say no to us. Like how off, how rare is it that a woman asks you? And I felt uncomfortable that I'm now, is it, like those moments like of putting myself in those shoes? I felt so sympathetic that I learned and I growed from that. Like I grew from that. So I believe that there are moments where like, it could be capable for somebody else to play a role in order to really experience and to feel. But at the same time, for the sake of storytelling, if you really want to, to vividly tell the story and there's so many people out there from so many different diverse backgrounds who want to be actors, then let somebody who might have a stronger connection to that particular character play that role. You know, and this is the last thing I'll say because I've been ranty in college, we did streak our name Desire. I wanted Stanley so bad. I wanted him I, I, I worked out I studied the roles. When I auditioned for the role, I got a callback and for the, the non theater people, if you get a callback, it means that you're being considered for the role you know, and a bunch of other people are too, so you're going to read a little bit more to see if you're going to land the role and it's very specific so I was there reading all night long. And I felt so confident and I didn't get the role. And my professor pulled me into, into, into this office and he said, in an education environment, I'm going to tell you this. He goes, the director that was directing the show loved your performance as Stanley. That's why he kept having you read. That's why he kept having you be there. But Blanche, Blanche is this, he believes that Blanche is the focus, the storytelling of, of Streetcar is with Blanche. And the actress that he chose to play Blanche happened to be six foot two. Oh, I, happened, Jesus. I happened to be five foot eight. And he looked at me right in the face and he goes, because of how short you are, you didn't get that role. Because mm-hmm. of the dynamic mm-hmm. of the storytelling. And in that moment, I realized it had nothing to do with my acting ability. It had nothing to do with my audition. Nothing to do with all the hard work I put into it. The story that he wanted to tell. And one of the actors that he found to tell that story, I did not fit into that realm. And it's saying Tall Lives Matter. No, but what I'm saying (laughs) is that it's okay to understand that, like, sometimes when you're trying to convey a certain story, that, like, it might be better to have certain people in there to really get that message across. Because as much as an actor wants to play a role and act, what it's really about is the storytelling. That's what I'm trying to drive home. For
1: sure. And I mean, you know, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. And I, I think you, you said all of that beautifully. I do think though, there is this strange position that it puts on actors now, right? Where, okay. So like with Alison Brie, for example, I don't know if any of our listeners are for familiar with Bojack Horseman. You know, she played this character known as Di- uh, Diane. And I mean, it was, it's a great character. I mean, it's a really great role and, and Alison Brie has a great voice for it. And I think that, you know, be in the wake of of George Floyd and 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 all of the protests going on, I think it behooves a lot of actors to come out against some roles that they that they earlier played as. And I, I I think it's a little disingenuous, but more importantly, I think that it sets this other standard. Right? Well, if if white people, for example, aren't allowed to play people of color, then are people of color allowed to play? White people in act in in actor roles, and I know that that probably sounds shitty to compare, especially when it comes to this conversation around white privilege that we talked about with Orlando, for example, on the podcast. And and I know that actually, you know, bringing up that 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 double standard is is also probably seems dub, uh, 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 disingenuous as well. But I'm wondering if we're starting to dig ourselves in a hole because. I, you know, I'm uh, like you, Josh, I think that when it comes to uh, a character or a role or, or it's, it's really what the story is, is dependent on, right? Like, does the story need, you know, this, uh, this type of person? For example, uh, there was a lot of backlash in the uh, new Dune movie that's going to be coming out the later at the end, uh, later at the end of the year where there's a character in the book who, uh, that the that the movie is going to be based on that is it's not really, I can't remember if the, if it's specified, like what type of person, whether they're a person of color or not, but they're, they are a man in the book and in the movie, they are gender swapped and are being played, played as a black woman, basically. And there was a lot of backlash being, uh, against us. And I was like, I don't care, <laughs> you know, because like, if the film calls for that sort of thing and it works on screen, then like, it doesn't matter right? Like if it's working for the story and it comes across well, if it's done well, they're like, I'm all for it, man. And it's, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just frustrating because I feel like a lot of this stuff is arbitrary. And I think what you were saying a lot has a lot to do with it. And the fact that like, depending on the story, depending on who's trying to craft these stories, I think it really, that's, what's really important because I just, I don't know, man, like with voice actors specifically, like, if you have a great voice, you know for that sort of role, like okay, so can only robots voice robots? Can only cat people voice cat people? I guess I'm just I'm seeing this potential for us getting into these strange pigeonholes, and sure. I don't. Sure. I, I guess I'm just conflicted, you know, like a lot of times on this podcast, and and problem, I'm just curious, yeah, like problem, where we go. So you this know, is,
0: this is the main issue, Ian. I think the the systematic. Again, the systematic racism that is being like trying to trying to show is that like in a perfect world, you know, we have so many we have thousands and thousands and thousands of stories that want to be told and so many different new projects that are coming out that there is a plethora of roles to, for anybody to expand and to grow. Like, for example, I in college, I got to do a play called uh, I think it was called Frozen. And now it's not the Disney frozen. I got to play a serial killer. I got to <laughs> oh, play. <good>. Thank God. <laughs> I got to play a serial killer who killed little girls. And the, the play that I did was, it was about a mother. Was my this mo- a fantasy of yours? No, Ian, <laughs> it was, it was a challenge for me, to be honest. So uh, sure. Playing a villain, not only that, but like my character who had been a serial killer of little girls had been caught from his latest victim. And the mother of his latest victim comes into the and has a has a basically comes in to meet him, and she is trying to evoke a sense of empathy from him by showing him what he has taken from her. Sure, yeah. And in that moment, it's not about color of the skin. It's not about these 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 things that we feel. It's it's about this experience of how am I as a person who is Nothing close to this to this real person, able to to feel or to connect and to to make an an impersonation impersonation or or believability in what I'm doing, and this is one of the best things I'll, you know, I'll kind of leave on is they, you know they they interviewed the in a, in a German film about World War II they interviewed the actor the German actor that played Hitler, and they said they looked to him and they said how was it for you to play the most hated man in your culture? You know, like how was it? Was that rough? And he looked at the camera and he just said this, he went, I cannot view Hitler that way. If I'm playing him because I have to be him. So I need to understand that in his mind and whatever sick way he believed, he thought he was doing what was best for the world. And he said, in the real world, there's no heroes or villains. There's perspective. And everybody believes that their perspective is right. Mhm. And so I take situations like that. And I know that there are there's a plethora of situations that where actors can can feel that and experience that. And if there is a an a caveat of of whether whatever your skin color is or whatever your background is and there's a character that reflects that, then there is a believability that can be added to that to give that person to a role. So the systematic racism that I mean is that these voice actors, right? They could, there's so many other projects and there's so many things that they might like, maybe that, that, that opportunity could have been given for somebody who could enrich the storytelling by adding in a culture to, to that mind frame. And do I think that maybe they should back off that have gotten it now? I don't know. That's a tricky subject. Do I think we're going to be pigeonholed that only this can play this? No. I think that we're trying to move forward because if you have not had true equality. We need to correct for that, and then once true equality can be achieved, then moving forward might lead us to a world where we're not so caught up about who's playing who. But right now, it is important because it has played a huge role for people not getting roles for hundreds of years.
1: Right. Well, tell you what, Josh, I think, um, you know, we, we talked about a lot tonight. Uh, Mm -hmm. there's obviously more uh, to talk about the weeks seem to be getting crazier and crazier. And so I think, uh, you know, we, we owe it to our audience to probably talk more about COVID and in a later episode, I know we're going to be talking about, uh, technology in another episode. Um, so why don't, why don't we end it here for tonight? Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll see everybody next week and, you know, don't don't forget to to follow us uh on twitter at necessarybspod and uh to get the latest updates on on episodes coming out so absolutely um, and you know and
0: yeah. I, yeah no thank you so much and uh, feel free to go to our website cuz i know that like, it's been super awesome we've had some a, a couple new subscribers already um, so that's been really, really fun. And then maybe for our next main episode, we're going to keep shouting out subscribers, um, especially if you, go to, our, if you guys go to our website because we've been seeing an influx of you, and we really, we really want to thank you because you know without people listening, we wouldn't have any podcast here. So um, to those of you that are listening now, like we we love you, we respect you, thank you so much for bearing with us, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Necessary Bullshit Podcast.
1: All right, thanks everybody.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.